Today's podcast episode, I am sharing with you my roadmap to boost confidence and to plan your treatment sessions with ease. Now, my actual roadmap is available in the show notes to download. You're going to hear me talk through it in the podcast, but if you're a visual learner like I know I am, make sure to go into the show notes and download my roadmap. It's gonna help you plan out your treatment sessions with your clients with so much greater ease and confidence. New and seasoned OTs are finding their calling in pelvic health. After all, what's more ADL than sex, peeing, and poop? But here's the question, what does it take to become a successful, fulfilled, and thriving OT in pelvic health? How do you go from beginner to seasoned and everything in between? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. We are inspired OTs. We are out-of-the-box OTs. We are pelvic health OTs. I'm your host, Lindsay Vestal, and welcome to the OTs in Pelvic Health podcast. I'm curious whether this sounds familiar to you. Do you ever find yourself in the situation saying to clients after you have evaluated them, well, I think you may only need two sessions versus what your head might be telling you, which is confidently looking your client in the eye and saying, let's schedule for six or eight. And perhaps also saying, so client, I have an ideal progression in mind for you to help you reach your goals. Remember, there is no quick fix for our work together. It's a process of getting to know yourself, your body, and your conscious and unconscious habits and routines better. This takes time. It's about gaining the tools you need to understand yourself and perhaps, perhaps uncovering things you didn't know were either getting in your way or that can make a huge step in your healing process. Simple things, things that you can do every day, countless times a day, such as picking toys off the floor, carrying your kiddo, examining how we do these things, these ADLs can really impact our core. It's an unfolding process and it doesn't happen in one or two sessions. Do you ever find yourself wishing you could say it like that? But somehow you end up saying, I think you may only need two sessions. I think we have all been there. I know I definitely did this when I first got started. And the students that I mentor through my OT Pioneers online program share with me that they go through the exact same scenario. So you are not alone. This podcast episode is all about how we might be able to think about this a little bit differently and perhaps give us that rocket fuel that we need to actually say it like we wished we could. So here's another way I want you to think about it. When we say to our clients, let's just schedule two sessions, it can send a couple different messages, perhaps messages we didn't actually intend to send. The first one I'm thinking about is that the client may think what's wrong with them when they didn't get better in two sessions. The expert, by the way, that's you, that I went to suggested just two. So they must have expected I would have gotten better by then. Why didn't I? 
Number two, when we suggest that we can meet with our client and that all it takes is two sessions, we're kind of suggesting that our work is a quick fix. And I don't think that you actually mean to say either one of these things. So then why are we saying it? I find that it can be our lack of confidence shining through. We wonder whether we can deliver what we promise if we schedule more than that, or that we think that once the novelty wears off, we aren't sure of the progression we should take with them after two or three sessions. There's a whole host of things that we can tell ourselves. What are some of yours? What are some of the reasons you find yourself not scheduling for more than just a couple sessions initially? So some questions I encourage you to ask yourself are, what can you offer with certainty? What value do your sessions bring to your clients? And lastly, how can you progress them through in a general way, right? We're always leaving room for individual clients' needs, but how can we progress them through their work with you? What's your plan for six to eight sessions for different diagnoses? So my personal philosophy is that I want all of my clients to have three things, to experience three things. Number one, I want them to feel good. Number two, I want them to have hope. And number three, I want them to feel heard. So in examining why I found myself only scheduling my clients for two or three sessions out, I took a step back, right? I zoomed out 30,000 feet and I looked at the progression of sessions with clients so that I could make sure I was hitting my three core principles. I started to see myself as a chef whose ingredients aren't vegetables or proteins, but a special mix of education, hands-on work, and exercises. It was my job to plan a multi-course meal that kept interest, had balance, and yielded results. And guess what? It worked. I felt so much more confident as a practitioner with my new plan in place. Anytime a new client scheduled, I knew immediately, my friends, how we would get started and where I wanted to take them. Now, the plan is flexible, okay? It doesn't matter if your client has urge incontinence or is experiencing painful sex. It doesn't matter if they have hip mobility restrictions or they can't do certain exercises. Because I took some time and I created a roadmap of sorts where I outlined my plan for sessions one to four or one to six or one to eight with an optimal mix of a few things. So my ingredients were education, exercises, and what I was doing from a hands-on approach. Now, this plan will enable you to substitute the appropriate topics, right, in a proven ratio that leads to more client rebookings, more impact, and better outcomes. So I'm gonna quickly run through my optimal structure of sessions. Session one. Okay, so remember, remember the average pelvic floor client will have seen about six to eight other practitioners before they come to see you. Why is this important? Because 
you will need to take a different approach and spend more time listening, being empathetic, and educating them. This is why you'll see in a moment, the first session emphasizes education. The next critical component is the hands-on portion. You want them feeling good in their body, so when they leave, it entices them to come back and see what else is possible. Always end a session with helping them feel empowered. So for the first session, aim to spend this ratio of time, 75% on education, 15% hands-on, 10% with exercises. All right, on to the second session. For this session, we are still emphasizing education, but we are slightly shifting the ratio to increase the exercises and the hands-on portions of the work. I find this helps our clients to embody their new knowledge, experience it kinesthetically, and it helps them own this next phase of their rehab journey. I suggest equal parts exercise and hands-on work to help with this transition. So for education, review their discoveries from the education you provided the week before. Remember, many people need to hear things several times for it to really be internalized. And then for this second session, we're adding on the just right challenge. So my ingredients look like this, 50% education, 25% exercise, and 25% hands on. Okay, next up, the third session. Now, the ratio here shifts further towards more embodied experiences. We're still reviewing their experience with the shift in their roles, their habits, and their routines through that key OT educational piece. But now we're increasing the exercises and the hands-on experiences for them. This continues to encourage them to own the work intellectually, psychologically, and physically. So for the third session, aim to spend this ratio of time, 25% education, 37.5% on exercise, and 37.5% of hands-on. Now, we're up to the fourth session now, can you believe it? And this is a turning point in the client's experience where the exercises start to become the more emphasized portion of our time. This is important because we're setting the stage for the fact that they don't need us to heal. They're indeed the detectives to their own bodies with us simply as their guide. So for this session, aim to spend this amount of time, 25% on education, 50% on exercise, and 25% on hands-on. Now, putting this into practice is incredibly easy because you likely already have a suite of education techniques, hands-on components, and go-to exercise libraries you commonly use. So take the time to write down those in a consolidated list, perhaps even using those category headings that I just mentioned. The next time you get a client, refer back to my suggested ratios at each session and pick the items that are most right for your specific client. It's that simple. We all know a cookie cutter approach never works. So use this guide as a starting point and adapt it to the specific client in front of you with their specific needs. But hopefully with a bit more structure and a roadmap to follow, you're gonna find yourself in a more confident place 
you're going to make more powerful connections with your client, and you're going to enjoy more rebookings and better client outcomes. So let's go through a specific example together. I really want this to jump off the theoretical world and into practice. So let's use the diagnosis urge incontinence as an example. So in my first session, right, I'm doing a, for the education part of it, I'm going to be talking about the bladder diary review, right, because I've already given them a bladder diary upon their initial intake paperwork. I'm looking over their fluid intake. I'm discussing the role of the brain and bladder communication. We're talking through how we could identify the difference between what I call an authentic urge and a non-authentic urge. I'm gonna be reviewing how the much the bladder can hold, so what's optimal physiological function. And I'm gonna be doing an overview of the pelvic floor and its function. All right. For the hands-on portion, I'm going to, if appropriate, do my internal and external exam. My external exam is going to be looking at their abs, their diaphragm, their rib mobility, their hips, their glutes, etc. I'm going to do my postural assessment, and I'm going to carry it over to meaningful ADLs. Last up is exercises. For exercises, I'm going to do diaphragm breathing nervous system down training activity that you identified would work really well for them. This could be anything from a walk in the woods to humming to a gentle yoga exercise to believe it or not, even evoking the mammalian dive reflex by having them put their hand in cold water or even their face in cold water. All of these things down train our nervous system. I'm going to be helping them identify the basic movements of the pelvis. I'm going to have them do rib cage mobility enhancement exercises, and I'm going to implement new roles and routines based on the education that we already talked about. This is stuff like increase their water intake, um, not responding to unauthentic urges to use the bathroom. All right, so what does that mean I'm doing for the second session? Well, here is 50% of education. So in this 50%, I'm reviewing questions and discovering and discoveries since last session. I'm integrating bowel and sexual functions if applicable. And we're talking about the role of the pelvic floor and how it works in the inner core system. The hands-on portion, I'm doing release work. I'm reinforcing the connection to their body through interoceptive work or nervous system stimulation, anything that gets that vagus nerve tone increased. For the exercise portion, we're doing pelvic floor and inner core specific work, so whether they need down training or up training, and any ADL training that incorporates the inner core. For that third session, right, this is 25% education, I'm reviewing and integrating discoveries and questions since their last session, I'm incorporating meaningful habits, roles, and routines into their understanding of the pelvic floor. For the hands-on portion, which was that 37.5%, this is a combination of release work and strengthening work applied to the areas in their body that need it. Now, this provides them with an experience of feeling whole in their bodies, empowered and embodied, and this shifts what is possible in their recovery. 
Now, this leaves 37.5% of exercise, and this is where we're really leaning into making connections beyond the pelvic floor. So how does posture and other areas of their body contribute to their pelvic health concerns? We're always bringing in exercises that are holistic and relevant to their daily life. The fourth session. I'm reviewing and integrating discoveries and any questions they have since our last session. For the hands-on, I'm further facilitating their proprioceptive understanding of areas of their body that they may be continuing to wake up. I'm down-training and up-training appropriate body parts as needed. And then for the exercise portion, again, we're continuing to make connections beyond the pelvic floor, bringing it into the realm of everyday life. And I'm continuing to look for ways to make exercises functional to their meaningful daily activities. All right, now I have a document that you can download that goes through all of these ratios so they're not just, you're not just sitting there with a pen and paper writing down 37.5%, right? Like I really want you to see this in a concrete paper terms and I'm urging you to take out your own paper and start to jot down what you could do based on diagnosis. So write down your top diagnoses that you see, stress incontinence, urge incontinence, etc. Write down a repository or a library of your exercises and then start to slot them into the percentages and the ratios that I'm sharing with you in this roadmap document. The link to the roadmap can be found in my show notes of this episode. Thank you all for being here. It's my pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of OTs and Pelvic Health. If you haven't already, hop onto Facebook and join my group, OTs for Pelvic Health, where we have thousands of OTs at all stages of their pelvic health career journey. This is such an incredibly supportive community where I go live each and every week. If you love this episode, please take a screenshot of this episode on your phone and post it to IG, Facebook, wherever you post your stuff, and be sure to tag me and let me know why you like this episode. This will help me to create in the future what you want to hear more of. Thanks again for listening to the OTs and Pelvic Health Podcast.